Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice Show. I'm Dr. Fujian Zain. I'm a psychotherapist and author and the originator of the Awareness Integration Theory. And hello to Sean, our director in the studio. This is a show about what matters most in our life. Our minds, our thoughts, feelings, actions, relationships, and our fulfillment, this beautiful journey of life. Um, today, I will share the tip of the week about how to reward yourself and let your greatness shine with no guilt, just shine. I will share with you the research from University of Texas in Austin about how home decor and surroundings says something about who you are and your character. And when it makes, when we make it our own, we are happier. I share a little bit about our new upcoming certification program for therapists, educators, and coaches to learn how to apply the awareness integration theory with their clients. And then I'll bring you Emily Francis, a highly sought after speaker, best-selling author, and wellness expert with an array of education and experience spanning over 20 years. Emily is the host of the internet radio show all about healing on Healthy Life Radio. Today, we will be talking about her latest book, Healing Ourselves Whole, an interactive guide to release pain and trauma by utilizing the wisdom of your body. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and podcast and connect with me through all the social media, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, I love to hear from you, hear about your suggestions and comments and the topics that you want me to talk about. But first, here's the tip of the week. in life when we need to reward ourselves. Appreciate who we are and what we have done. Appreciate who we have been for others. I've been talking to many of my clients and colleagues this week and um, they have come a long way. You could see where they've been and where they are now. Um, created so many great results and genuinely happy. Yet sometimes this question comes up, well, is this real? Am I just going through a manic phase? Am I going crazy? Is it really like this? Is it going to end? Is it just a phase? Will it stay? Will, you know, um, the unhappiness um, show up any minute and this will be taken away? Is, is this okay? Like, is this good? When people have been feeling anxious and depressed for a long time, they don't see the vision that one day the cloud can be lifted and they can feel happy. Many get caught in just seeing the negative part of their life, negative actions and intentions of others or what has happened to them in the past, which was negative. When the focus is only on the negative aspects of life, what you don't like, what you think is not fair and what should have changed, 
then all you have are feelings of sadness, anxiety, anger, shame, guilt, remorse, resentment, powerless, hopelessness, any of those feelings. For many, uh, this state remains for their life so long that it becomes a state of being for a lifetime. It's as if like that's all they've known. And even if they've kind of gotten that from their family, it is all they've known because they were kind of like born and raised in that environment. They picked it up and that's all they know. So a state of happiness appears weird, odd, something they've always wanted, but have no clue what to do with it when it shows up. So it's like the experience of experiencing it is something new. But this all around and forever negative focus, you won't acknowledge all the ways that you are changing, growing, creating, manifesting, and actualizing every day. Therefore, you don't acknowledge your growth and results as skills that you have and own to support you in the future. You may think, feel, and at times act as if you are still age five or 12, while the result of your life states that you've grown up, survived, survived all the hardships, learned from them, and have the tools if similar matter comes up. And by being aware and acknowledging who you are and what you're capable of, you can feel proud, capable, confident, happy, and fulfilled. You can allow yourself to celebrate your accomplishments, reward yourself with good food, socializing and celebrating with friends and family, buy a gift for yourself, get a massage and get pampered. Take yourself on a great trip, pat yourself on the back. You deserve it. If you are still not convinced, ask 10 people, 10 of your friends and family members to tell you the greatness that they see in you, what they appreciate in you, what they think your best character values and skills are. Write them all down, make a collage for yourself and put it up where you can see it daily. Your greatness needs to be acknowledged and shared side by side with your vulnerabilities. Both sides of the spectrum can be felt, experienced, cherished and shared. Let your greatness shine and be a contribution to everyone. You deserve it. And everyone around you also deserves to receive your greatness. So for more observational skills and empowerment skills, go to my book, Life Reset, The Awareness Integration Path to Create the Life You Want. Thank you. Many of you therapists and coaches um, have uh, called and left a message for me or emailed me about the certification program that I've created for therapists and coaches uh, regarding the awareness integration model. The awareness integration model theory um, is an integrative and multidisciplinary uh, theory, psychological and educational theory. And um, you see the books that are on here. Uh, Life Reset was written for public and has all the exercises uh, that uh, you can go through and go through the process. And the other book that you're seeing is um, the Awareness Integration Theory, which is uh, actually written 
to educators, psychotherapists, and coaches in how they can do this integrative model uh, with their clients. And now the certification program is here. Um, and um, I would love to share with you about the certification program. So what you see is it's going to be the first class, which is going to be the essentials of the awareness integration theory, which will be three days. And the first one coming up is Friday, August 27th uh, through Sunday, 29th. And it's going to be 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., obviously Pacific time. It will be online on Zoom. And um, the, this course will be for $500 American dollars. And then for uh, in this course, I will teach the whole, all the principles, all the interventions and all of that. But for the certification after that, the therapist will have another course, which we will only uh, uh, really focus on the integrative and childhood and trauma healing. And then the third one, the course would be intent, uh, creating intentionality in how to create who you are and your future, goal setting, action building, and exactly how to feel, create food, uh, feedback loops for yourself to be able to move ahead and manifest and create all of that. And then we'll go through a supervision time. For you beautiful educators and coaches, you will take uh, the essentials of the awareness integration theory, which is the class for three days, and then go right into the future building and then the supervision. So um, the reason that I think it's important for um, us to be uh, together in creating this and learning and moving forward is because um, your name will be in all of the uh, websites for awareness integration model. We will be having an app, it's gonna be called Fujan, uh, which um, people will have the ability to go through uh, the model themselves the same as they go into the life reset book, go through the exercises in an app. But then therefore, sometimes they need uh, someone to be with them, hold their hands, be their mirror, uh, take them to another level. And that's why um, I would love to be able to um, share this uh, model with all the therapists and coaches out there. Their name will be um, in uh, the app and all of the websites so that uh, people who want to find you uh, because they know that you know how to do this with them, they can find you. So um, call me 818-648-2140 or uh, email me at fujanzane at gmail.com in order to get uh, more information about this and then register so that we can have many other therapists and coaches to be trained in this model. Wonderful. I hope to see all of you in the class. Be right back. Here's the latest research. The old saying, home is where the heart is, has some new science to back it up. A study has found photos of person's living space can accurately point at personality trait and the mood of the people who live there, especially as the person gets older. For the study scientists at the University of Texas at Austin studied 286 people over the age of 65. They took photographs of the room where the subjects spend the most time, typically the living room, and found that certain characteristics of a person's personality were reflected 
in core elements of room decor. Um, applying the findings could help lead to happier lives, including for older adults with frailty or cognitive impairments that has led them to be transferred from their home to long-term facilities. People who have a match between personality and living space report better well-being and they feel better about their life and have better mood. Home is where we can express ourselves. The researchers analyzed participants' personalities and took photos of the room where each person spent the most of their time. As part of the first-of-its-kind study, independent examiners looked at the photos and rated characteristics of the room, such as brightness, cleanliness, and newness. Extroversion was expressed in room decor with newness of items in the room and cheerfulness of decor. This may come from a desire to make the room appealing to visiting uh, friends and family. Conscientiousness was associated with newness and comfort because orderliness and organization are key components of that personality trait that may explain the association. Agreeableness, openness, and neuroticism were not associated with room decor for everyone, but openness was evident in the decor for older adults who live alone, suggesting that people who live with others may not have as much latitude to express their personalities in the room decor. Importantly, when a living space matches the personality and the preference of the person who lives there, older adults reported enhanced well-being. The goal for many older adults is to grow older in their own homes. But as they encountered functional limitations, such as not being able to walk or climb stairs, their homes became outdated and uncomfortable, dim and cluttered. Scientists said that this may be because those adults have less energy to maintain their space. Surprisingly, for adults with functional limitation, clutter was associated with fewer symptoms of depression. They explained clutter may represent an effort to exert control over the environment. They may also wish to keep items close at hand to compensate for mobility issues. Researchers said this study suggests that older adults with functional limitations may benefit from a little help around the house, but cleaning and maintenance should be done in collaboration. What looks like a clutter to one person may be an arrangement that makes sense to them for that adult to be more comfortable. Long-term care facilities that allow for greater latitude in room decor to improve the mood of residents also benefit. There's no ideal way to create a living space. It has to match the person. So guess what? Look around and see if what you see in home matches who you are. And if not, create it your own. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Fujian Zain, and I'm so excited to have Emily Francis from Malta with me. It is exciting to know she's all the way out over there, and we're getting to connect just because 
we can through technology. She is a highly sought after speaker, best-selling author, and a wellness expert with an array of education and experience spanning over 20 years. Her knowledge of the body as well as the body-mind connection is extensive and her commitment to total body, mind, and spirit wellness is her driving force. She believes in a whole body proactive approach to wellness where balance is the key and kindness paves the way. Emily is the host of the internet radio show, All About Healing on Healthy Life Radio. And today we will be talking about her latest book, Healing Ourselves Whole, an interactive guide to release pain and trauma by utilizing the wisdom of the body. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you, Dr. Fujian. I'm so grateful to be here. Well, you are talking uh, about something that is really close to my heart. I've gone through a lot of trauma myself as, I, as a child. I became a therapist because obviously I wanted to heal myself. And um, I can see how much uh, people really, really hold trauma and how much previous traumas can completely change our life. Um, and how much the healing of those trauma can bring back, um, as you said in your book, the wholeness. So um, first share what got you to uh, healing work, body work, and wanting to uh, give that gift to uh, the world by this book. Well, when I was younger, I had an undergraduate degree in exercise science and wellness, and I was all things workout kickboxing, yoga, tai chi, martial arts, the whole gamut. And I still love them all, but I don't teach them anymore. But when I turned 25, the trauma from when I was younger, I lost my dad really young. He went to play tennis. He had a heart attack. He never came home. It didn't make sense to me. And I was 13. It was at such a primal age. And I didn't go to therapy. I didn't, it just wasn't something offered to me. So it was basically like, you have two weeks to grieve and then we're not discussing this anymore. And so it was just shoved into my body. And then something triggered me at 25. And I realized I have been stuffing down anxiety, panic, trauma, repressed emotions and feelings. And I just couldn't hold it anymore. And so I started going to a lot of therapies. I stopped teaching. I basically stopped my life. The anxiety and panic took over. And I went to all kinds of therapies and all kinds of all alternative therapies. I went to a shaman. I had soul recovery and extraction. I went to acupuncture. I did herbs. I, I went to the therapies. I did seven years of major work. And I will tell you that when the big change for me was a man named Tom Rutledge, who's a psychotherapist, and he was right. He wrote a book called Embracing Fear. And I wrote him a letter and I was like, I'm reading your book, but I'm sure it's not going to work because everything fails for me because I suck. I just, I had this like horrible thing. And he wrote back and he was like, wow, your inner dialogue is so dangerous. You are so dangerous. And he said, clearly you've done a lot of work. Why are you so against medication? And I said, oh, that's completely against my holistic life. It's a no, it's a bandaid, it's this. And he wrote me back and he changed my life with these words. And he said, you missed something. You missed something big. The brain is an organ. It's an organ and the chemicals need to be balanced. And if it were your liver or your heart or your kidneys, you wouldn't hesitate. The mind is where the thoughts and behaviors live. That's a totally different asset and set of therapies. And he said, why are you so against this? And it made me go and get to my doctor and ask for help real help that seven years I was so against because every time I talked about, I might try this, my holistic friends and people that were helping me were like, no, you'll be failing. You'll be this. 
I just wish I would have done this sooner because I started to see something in my eyes that I didn't know could ever come back ever. And I didn't need to stay on the medicine forever, but it did what it needed to do. And it put a wall between anxiety and panic so that I could still feel all of my fear feelings, but know how to manage them. And when I got back to my life and recreated an entire new life, I went to massage school. I became a clinical and neuromuscular massage therapist. I, I studied in Reiki. I did a specialized therapy treatment called manual lymph drainage and combined decongestive therapy through the Dr. Vodder school. I worked on people post-cancer that have a chronic condition called lymphedema. And, and then 20 years later, I got a master's in human performance. But the truth is, I've always been madly in love with the body and the muscles. And then when I got the tools to work with the muscles, hand to skin, the muscles speak to me and I understand its language and the dialogue became really huge and it changed me forever. And I realized that the mind carries those traumas, but so does muscle memory. And that's where I come in is the body and what is, what's being held there that not enough massage therapists are out in the labs. They're not out in the field and they're not writing the books, but they have a wealth of information that needs to be shared. That was a huge answer. I'm sorry to talk so long, but that's the background is that's who I am and where I pick up. I love it. I love it that you explained it that way. As you were talking, I uh, remembered how much um, when I've worked with clients um, with their feeling toward the trauma, many of the times their body language and the way that their muscles were and even skin reaction showed up as they were releasing those traumas. I remember working with someone who um, had been tied by a rope um, on her ankle when oh she was gosh. a little kid when they were traumatizing her. And um, as we were working through hypnosis to let go of the trauma and all of that, you could see exactly the rope band on her, uh, uh, on her ankle uh, show up red and then release. Or uh, I was working with another, I, I personally was abused uh, sexual molestation and I was held um, on, on, on the wall like that. So when I went through hypnosis and letting go, this whole part of the body that was held, they would get numb exactly the same way as the pressure was, and then would release. Um, so there's a, you said it in your book, there's so much memory in, um, in the muscles. Um, and I, it was interesting as I heard, as I read your book, uh, you said that there was a different way that a, a muscle would hold memory or a joint would not hold the memory, but it's a here and now concept and how much, if something in here and now is not working for you, you will get joint pain, but then the muscles. So I don't want to chop him. I want you to explain all of that. Okay. So the muscles hold everything that's ever happened to you from birth until now. So it's a memory storage. I consider it like the bed inside a room of where everything falls in, but your joints are really more to the present. So let's say your knees swell up, but you don't have a reason why. So you don't generally have knee issues. You haven't had surgery. You didn't fall. Nothing happened, but all of a sudden you have this really odd issue in your knee. And then I say, are you facing a big decision? Are you stuck in your life? Do you, do you feel like you're standing in quicksand? And they'll go, oh my gosh, yes. And it's like 20 years of asking the same questions and it being the same information. And the knees swell up because it's your ability to move forward. And so when you don't feel like you can move, your body is giving a signal. Your body's giving lots of signals, but that swelling is finally like it taps soft 
and then you don't hear it. And then it knocks a little harder and then you don't hear it. And then it makes you stop walking and then you have to start listening. And so that's the way that the body communicates. It's different, obviously, than the way that we can put words to. But a lot of swelling and things that happen in the joints, in my experience, is present tense. Because there's not a lot of like storage area in there. But the muscle tissue, that holds things that have been since you were young, since last week, since anything in between. And so what I have found is when you do the body treatments, let's say somebody comes in and says, I have this constant pain. It's been going on for years. That's not acute. It's not, you can't just go A to B. I fell. This is what happened. Can you help? This is something that keeps reoccurring tells me it's a chronic condition and a chronic condition tells me there's an emotional component. It has to be, there has to be, you don't have a chronic condition for nothing. Now you might have a chronic condition because you fell. Right. So, so you do have to do the real scan. Do I wear proper shoes? Am I wearing a purse on one side and not changing sides? You have to go through the basic things before you start diving into the body. And I caution people with this because I'm giving you new information about why we carry pain where we do, but I don't want you to jump to the deep emotion right away. Start asking the basic questions first, because it really could be that you're carrying a ridiculously heavy purse all the time on your right shoulder and changing that up might give you some relief. So you might not need to go to the therapy or get Reiki or go really deep and go, Hey, this shoulder, I'm carrying the weight on the, of the world. Now there's usually an emotional component with it, but you still need to start basic and ask yourself really basic questions before you decide that it's some massive emotional uprising going on. Right. And I think it's fair and honest to make sure that people do that before they start. But honestly, I do think when you have a chronic pain that constantly comes up, something in you knows, something in you goes, there's something, I can't quite get to it. Because I think a lot of times we think that we know the story that goes with the area. And when we let our bodies speak, it might surprise you, the information that comes through, because it might not even be the same scenario. One of the interesting uh, finding that I had, I created a model called awareness integration model. And I remember that many times for these years, as I worked with the uh, clients to go back to the memories of their childhood because of some trauma that was there. You know how we go to a wedding or we go to a movie or wherever we are out of that, we hold certain memories, you know, it's like you have pictures of uh, pictures of um, uh, a wedding you went to. And then many years later, I, as you keep looking at uh, wanting to remember uh, the wedding experience of the wedding, you keep looking at those pictures and almost after a while, those are the only things that you remember from the wedding, right? Correct. You took pictures of them. There's video of them. So yeah. it kind of like takes away all the other ones except these pictures. And I noticed with people, Emily, that uh, we do exactly the same thing about the past traumas. Like we take a couple of pictures and every time people like you talk about, so, well, this happened to me as a child and this was it. So they stop experiencing other parts of the trauma or whether when it was that they made a decision from. And so many years of doing this with their, with the clients, I finally figured, okay, there's, there's a more into this because we can't dismantle these issues. And the key to that was going through the muscle memory. Yes. So thank you for giving uh, us this book that it was exactly as I went in through the thoughts and emotions and the muscle memory. And I say it, allow the muscles of that part of your body, which, you know, starts having the feeling to take you to the first memory you ever experienced. My God, Emily, people are coming up with 
actual memories which they have not thought of or it wasn't part of the pictures they took and they kept reciting and um, you really see healing happening when you bring the body into it. And I'm not even, you know, I'm not a body worker. So I'm just saying for them to pay attention to it, let alone having the ability to go to someone and actually work with their body. It's such an honor to get to put my hands directly on someone. And a lot of times, most of the time, I don't allow somebody to share with me the story that they think they have for their healing. So, because I want to hear what your body has to say to me, and then I can ask some questions, but your body, when I put my hands, even at your feet, wherever we start, the body starts doing this. I'm over here. Come and get me, please. And you know, I use this in one of, in one of my books because I do it with permission. So that I mentioned this to say, I have permission to share the story, but I had a client who had ovarian cancer stage one, and there was a very specific protocol that had to be done to save her life. It was a particular type of chemo, no other types, this one, and her body rejected it. And I don't even know exactly what that means because I'm not an oncologist, but the oncologist said, look, there's a girl here, a woman here in Atlanta. I don't know what she does, but call her and get her to get your body to take that chemo. And so she called me and she said, Dr. So-and-so gave me your phone number. I need to work with you. And I said, clear your day, just clear your day. I have no idea how long we're going to be doing this. So just come over and we'll see. When I put my hands, obviously it's ovarian cancer. So I put my hands somewhere near the ovaries and I just let her start to tell me once I was touching. And what it is, is that when she was very young, she was sexually molested, but never remembered it. And the person that did it got sober much later in life and made amends and came to her and apologized for it. And two months later, she's got cancer. It's an, I mean, it is so textbook, it's unreal. But to her, because every victim mentality immediately goes to, what did I do wrong? This is my fault. I did something. She was two. Like, how do you explain to a two-year-old that there's nothing in the world that you could have done to make this happen? But what I could do is she had a child very close to that age. So you tell me right now, if it was your child, did she do something wrong? And she body released the shaking, the sweating, the release. I pulled the trash can up in case she needed to vomit, but my hands were staying put. And we walked and we walked through it. We worked all of it. And the very next week, her body took that chemo now. And now she's like 12 years remission. Now, here's the other part of that story that's really important to me. This has nothing to do with me. Nothing. I just got to be the hands in between the dialoguing and the stuff. This is not I, I just it makes me crazy because body workers tend to take responsibility like they're the healer. And I find that really off-putting and arrogant. And if you are not going to be humble, spirit's not going to give you the gifts anymore. So I need to make sure that I put that out there, that I understand that this has nothing to do with me, but I got to witness the miracle of what your body can do when given the right tools to be allowed to heal from within. And that is exactly what she did. And it was beautiful. Yes. Yes. Um, I think that it's very important when what you're saying about, um, there, our body stores the story, the story that we make up out of anything that happens. So it's not that it stores what happens outside and the impact of it. It stores the story that we create out of what happens in our body. And that piece is something that if we're not conscious of, it 
deteriorates uh, the body because it is trying to let you know that something is not a flow. It's almost like, uh, you know, the, um, a, um, a pipe, a garden hose that you have is clogged and it's just not going to flow. So the point is how to allow that to flow by not only taking care of yourself physically, but also emotionally and psychologically, but through the, you know, the, the venue of the body. Okay. Now I have a question for you because this is not to uh, go back and forth, but you said your body holds the story that it's been told. And I actually believe that your body holds the truth, not the story that you've been told. And so I think sometimes they don't match because sometimes our mind is open to interpretation and the body is not. So I'm so curious now because from a psychological perspective, you would disagree with this. No, no, because when you talked about, for example, the person who has um, the ovarian cancer, the ovarian cancer was her body reacting to the story she made out of that, which is uh, it's somehow my fault, which was not the truth. So the story yeah. creates a disease, dis-ease. So the right. body knows, like you say, the body knows the truth and how do I survive? What is it that is not of me and it needs to be released? But when we insist to, you know, to hold on to a belief system that is not the truth, but we insist that, that we hold, our body reacts to it. And that's how it creates what you said, the, the uh, for example, you know, the, some sort of a disease or the joint uh, flare mm -hmm. up or mm -hmm. somehow our body reacts, but the body is not reacting to somebody else talking about it or saying something or even, you know, somebody molesting you. It's right. reacting to the part of you that took that molestation and made a story about yourself or the world. I've worked with traumas, childhood traumas for 30 years. I've watched people go through horrifying traumas and they didn't hold it. They didn't um, interpret it as there's something about me or became a victim of the world. Like the way they worked with it was, oh, something happened. I survived it. I made it. I made this stronger. And this wasn't about all the world, all the people in the world. It was only about this person. And um, they were able to release that, whether they had the help to release it early or you know, their ego strength was in a way and the reality perception was in a way that in a healthy way, they could just see it and release it. And the same person would take something like that and make themselves the victim, make themselves the horrible person, make the world a horrible place. And then they would hold that type of an energy. Does that answer your question? You, you make, you just like exploded my mind, actually. This is why I love talking to therapists because I, I can see this now. Cause in my head, I was thinking of another scenario where I worked on somebody who has uh, betrayal areas, the rhomboids behind the shoulder blades. And I said, don't think about it. Name me the first thing that comes to your head. And she goes, oh, my high school boyfriend cheated with my best friend. I don't care about that. I've been married for 40 years and we could hear the pop and it released. But I've always thought until this moment, I've always thought that the mind had one story and the body carried another. But what I'm seeing through what you're saying, and I think it's has a lot of validity is that it's an instamatic, the story that you told yourself right in that moment. But I still think that the story you told yourself in that moment is exactly stuck in time. And then the mind can change things depending on stories and things that they hear. But the things that are in the muscle tracks aren't just factual what happened, but the immediate instant moment 
of this is what just happened. Boom. It's now tracked into the memory and the muscle. It's, it's fascinating. You just, you just opened a different level because, because nothing's, when you're talking about the muscle, I've tried to get into the lab. I applied for a, for a grant. I even had my director of the university who was in retirement with a doctorate of exercise phys came out of retirement to become my partner, to go into the lab. He got us the university, the kinesiology department. We applied, we didn't get the grant. It's hard because there's not enough research on the muscles and emotion. And it's me 20 years of hypothesizing and having these theories and testing it over and over, but that doesn't count unless you're really in a lab and somebody can go, this is proven. But I, I mean, I know this stuff. I don't actually have to go in the lab to prove it to me, but to the world. And so joining and listening to a psychologist this way or therapist, um, <clears throat> it's just very it's such a unique perspective and it really does open that because I always say this, what comes first, the mind or the body, the chicken or the egg, which one controls which, because it depends on the person. It really, there is no exact, the mind unlocks the body or the body unlocks the mind. It really depends. It's situational. Yeah. I would say, um, and this was the key to, to the method I created. It has, you know, those locks that has three numbers and you have yes. to get all three of them accurately together for the for the lock to open. And I think it's thoughts, which are belief systems, your emotion, and um, and then your body. So these three together open up the lock. But based on what you were saying, I just want to share this story with you. This is when I really, really got what was happening. Remember all the era that you know whatever you believe in is going to create get created. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I decided I was going to tell my body that I was going to be 20 pounds lighter. So I was 160 then. And I decided I was going to tell my body that it was 140 and for my body to listen and then for it to become 140, right? So it to, for it to, I will set up the, the, the concept, my body would listen. So um, I wasn't feeling very well. So I went to all of the um, doctors, uh, the Western world doctor, and I went to an Eastern world doctor. So as he was, uh, you know, kind of like evaluating my body, he says, hmm, there is a confusion. And I said, what? He says, your body is actually 160 pounds, but it thinks it's 140. And it's having a confusion about this. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> that's amazing. It's amazing. And it's not because that's the power. Yes. And he would have never known that because that was an idea I created. And it was like, I was shocked. My jaw dropped. I'm like, say that again. He says, your body, for some reason, it thinks 140. Why do you think? I said, well, okay, I'll confess. I know why. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling it to be 140. He says, you know, don't confuse your body that way. And that was really an eye opening for me, Emily, which is wow. Wow. How much, and you have this in your book, you actually have that in you, like how you think it manifests in your body, but we never, I never thought that that type of a thing would manifest, but it's almost like when it's not it's not like, okay, when you say it, it happens, that the body also, like you said, it has the truth. So when the, the truth of what your body is doesn't match the illusion, the delusion that your mind or the stories create, then there is all this confusion that happens. So it's a line when that truth is also kind of like based on reality. 
That is so fascinating. I love this because I went to a shaman and they did a, a, a oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if you can hear that. That's horrible. Um, so they did a, a, um, a body assessment. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm somehow, no, I don't want to lose you. I just keep hearing this thing and now I can't find you. Um, okay. So they did a body scan of me and they, and I wasn't allowed to tell them anything about myself. And so she's looking at my body and she gets to my heart area and she says, Hmm, that's interesting. And I said, what? She said, well, your heart has a false belief that it's defective, but I'm not seeing anything about that here. And I jumped off the table and I said, well, my dad died young of a heart attack. Of course, my heart believes it's defective. How do you know that? And she said, because your heart's telling me that it has a false belief around it, that it's defective, but it isn't like, I don't see anything that would indicate that. And I've really, honestly, it's probably been 15 years since that happened. And I'm still trying to make sense of it, of which way to go with that, because it's a beautiful concept and a scary one. It's heavy. It carries a lot of responsibility. And how do you make your way through it where you can honor that there really isn't a problem yeah. when you carry so much fear that there could be? And, and you I know, think listening that you're talking about is very important. And I know in your book, you have every section, you have a journaling for people to sit down, go over, begin listening to their body and see what it says. I also like created a, a CD that says wisdom of the body, which you can actually talk to each part of your body and kind of listen, like say, what is it you want me to know? What is it, how can I support you? And all of that. So this types of things supports you in actually listening instead of telling your body something, which I was trying yes, to Yes, yes. The point is listening to your body, which you've created in your book. Now, uh, Emily, you have a whole chapter about shame. So share with us. Oh, shame. Oh, shame makes the tissues cry. Shame changes everything about the dynamic of the body, even on the skin. It feels like a weeping willow tree to me. So a person that covers themselves up in shame, guilt is always nearby. So shame and guilt are dysfunctional best friends. You almost never have one without the other. But guilt is something that you beat yourself down with. So it feels heavy. And shame to me is something that somebody threw at you, you take and you shove down. And then you continue the process of whatever the hurtful things that have been dished out at you. But to me, the tissues themselves of the muscles have a hard time being strong, have a hard time standing upright, have a hard time allowing healing because they don't believe they deserve it. So one of the biggest things, even my naturopath said, of all the people that he sees, the biggest thing is giving yourself permission to heal. And people that are shame driven don't ever feel like they deserve that. And that makes healing virtually impossible because you don't think that you deserve to have a healthy body. And, it, and when I talk about the body, I am not talking about what you look like. I'm talking about what you feel like and how your muscles structure and strengthen and move you and carry you. And for a long time, I, I'm going to just sidestep for a second because I'm short and I'm thick and I've gotten thicker over the years. And I think, gosh, do people even listen to what I say if I'm not, you know, an aerobic director anymore and I'm not just a little beast of a muscle? Like that's a hard thing to contend with that I used to walk in the room and could command it because I, I had the body to match. 
now I know I've had babies and I'm a different person, except that I have so much more knowledge. <laughs> and so everybody has something that they're trying to contend with inside. But shame, shame, here's what I said in my book. And, and this is really the best way I can describe it image wise. And I have to use guilt with it. So imagine that there's a snake inside your blood and plasma going around the fascia, surfing through your body, going all inside, but then the snake lays eggs. If the eggs aren't broken yet, they're guilt and you can scoop them out. But if the eggs have hatched, those broken pieces have now gone all the way. They're getting sucked into the system and it's really hard to find them because they disintegrate in. That's shame. Does that make sense image-wise? That to me, when I put my hands on someone where shame is the dominant emotion, it feels like little shards of eggshells that have hatched and have grown and it's almost impossible because the only way you're gonna pull them back out is from your inside pushing them back up. Nobody can come in and dig it out for you. The way that we can assist with a lot of other things. But shame is micro, micro tiny fibers inside your body that have laid eggs and hatched in there and said, you don't deserve. You are this, and that's the you talk. It's those things that you do. I was in the airport and I was by myself and it was early morning and this airport worker came in and I was uh, washing my hands and maybe not even, and she's looking at herself in the mirror and she's giving herself these faces ugh, ugh, mm, ugh, and looking at her body. And she's like, ugh, gross. I'm so fat. Like she's saying, she's looking at herself in the mirror and doing these affirmations. She is speaking right into her body and saying, this is who you are. So she started to leave and I blocked her. And I said, you are beautiful. And if anything happened to you, you will wish to God you look like you do right now. So you need to change that dialogue and own it. And she started crying and she was like, thank you so much. And I was like, you are beautiful and you are fabulous. This, this has to stop, but we all do it because we're conditioned to do so. And it's a shame. It's a real shame, not the shame that's inside your body, but it's a real travesty because that's how we're taught to speak. And as soon as you start to feel confident, then people knock you down because they think you're arrogant. But, but here's my call to arms. I want to make sure this gets in here. Joy. When joy comes to visit you, when it really takes over and you close your eyes and you belly laugh and your muscles ex expand and release the dopamine and they, re they release the, the happy just the way that they release trauma experiences, they can experience and release the joy. When you feel that happiness, can you be brave enough to sit there in it and let the experience rise without coupling it with fear? Can you do it without catastrophe sitting around the corner? Can you stay in that space for as long as joy will visit? And then I found out from Dawson Church, he's a doctor of psychology, he's the author of Bliss Brain, and he said, if you can stay in that space of joy for 20 seconds or longer, you will physiologically affect the neurotransmitters of the brain, and they will become stronger and widen, and they will open the dopamine gates. So my call to arms, if you're ready to heal, and you want to be big and bold and brave, can you sit? When happiness and joy knock at your door and don't couple it with shame and guilt and fear, can you be happy for as long as it'll visit? It's so important. It's so important. Very. Um, I, I think you said the key in 
um, how we can actually experience a feeling and, and, the, and the emotions that are there and allow it to be, allow it every, let's say every muscle of our body, every cell of our body to really experience the positive ones that we actually want to have. And the ones that we, you know, they're destroying us and they're not working for us to hear the message, but let go of the, you know, sitting in those experiences. Most of the time, the emotions that are just experienced um, are also, you know, based on the thought process. And sometimes we hold those emotions that we are uncomfortable because we're holding the thought process around it. You also talk in your book about the difference between re-experiencing trauma and feeling or feelings. So I want to do a segue to, for you to really go into also explaining that from your perspective of body work. And I'll share mine from the psychological world. Uh, to me, when you re-experience trauma, you don't have to go in as the main character. So you go in as the narrator. You get to be the observer. You're witnessing it, but you're not in it. I don't want you going back and feeling it again. You've already done it over and over every time you have a thought about it. It's not like you don't remember. So anytime anything triggers you, those experiences come back up. So for me, if I'm working with somebody, because I tell them to go to a therapist, you see that in the book, I highly suggest EMDR therapy, hypnotherapy, going to a psychotherapist, psychologist, all of the things. That's the part that, that you work on. But the part I work on, I don't need you as a two-year-old going through this on my table. I will if it needs to happen, but it's definitely not the place I would take you. So I think about you feel your feelings, but you don't have to continue to hold them. You feel them one last time so that you can release them or at least rearrange how they sit inside you. But I want you to do it as the narrator of your movie and not back in there as the child that just was completely traumatized because I don't have the tools to bring you out. I have the tools to work with your body. Does that make sense? Very much, yeah. And, um, and, and when we do it from the, my model, um, we go back and forth is as if you go through this uh, channel of finding uh, what the child actually experienced. So you go into the uh, to the space of the child just to see what was the experience and then separate from a narrative of who you are today as an adult and kind of come back, coming back and reminding, ah, I survived, don't worry about it. <laughs> everything yeah, you ever, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like everything you ever made up, it's not true, it's okay. We, we survived it and it's gone and then reintegrated and moving forward. Um, and I think it's by doing a lot of that is also shifting the idea and the story that we told ourselves that held the trauma in a place and hope, hopefully dismantling that story so that the feelings around it can also get released. And then, you know, finding the joy and the contentment of, oh, I survived. Look, look, I'm here all well. See, yes. And that's the practice that you are meant to do. That is not, I'm not, I don't, there's no, to me, it's what, how do your muscles play? Yeah. And then how can we release those chemicals and feeling and experience how your body's holding it, yeah. but how you understand it is out of my league. It's out of my scope. It's not, it's completely inappropriate for me to go there. So I don't, yeah. I try very hard to work and stay in my scope of practice. Absolutely. So and thank you. Muscles for and muscles. <laughs> saying that. And it's important to see how any of these uh, like therapists will not be able to do the body work. And therefore, <laughs> therefore, after you do this or simultaneously, it is so beautiful to do. And that's what I did. I've done 
you know, the different type of work in order to uh, be able to have information and release and heal from all of these different parts. Um, we're getting to the last um, uh, conversations. This is important, so I wanted to ask you, um, obviously within the past year, year and a half, the whole world has been going through its own level of trauma. Um, what are you, some of your suggestions about what people can do in these times of stress? And many people go through trauma. People have lost um, loved ones. Um, they've felt ill because of the COVID. So there's just been a lot going on and it's not personal, it's around the world. Uh, what would your suggestions be? What would some of the tips um, that you could give others in order to kind of like maintain our balance through these times? Okay, without plugging what the book is about, I honestly believe that it's time to get quiet and it's time to get inside yourself and learn how to listen to what your body says. And here's why I say it, because we do need unity, but the unity isn't there. And the vitriol is wildly out of control, especially back in the States. The political divide is so massive that it's trickled into every part. And so it doesn't, it's not conducive to healing. And so my suggestion personally is get very still and figure out where you want to be when everything opens back up, because you might not want to come back to the same life you went in with. And it's okay. It's okay to want something different as long as you're willing to put forth the effort and step into the new direction. But it's, it's really a time to be still, to listen to learn how to dialogue with your body so that when you do make these crucial decisions, all of you is in alignment with where you want to go. And when I say this, it doesn't mean you leave people, but it does mean that you rearrange the way that your life is holding. And if you haven't been happy, you're not going to go back to your old life and get happy. That's not how that's going to work. So there's a lot of people that are feeling like life is more precious than ever before. We're understanding how quickly it can be taken. And with that, I, I had this thought just last night because I go outside and I pray under the moon every night. And I had this thought and I thought everybody deserves to be the breakout star of their own life. Everybody deserves to be the breakout star of their own life. That doesn't mean you have to get famous. It means what's the breakout thing that makes you feel alive again? What's the thing? If it's playing tennis, go back and start playing tennis. If it's a photography, do it. If it's dance, do it. Stop making excuses for your age or your stage or whatever it is. Be the breakout star of your life. But in order to do it, you have to get still first and figure out really what that is and where you're going and then trust it. Yes. Um, we have one minute. What is it that we haven't shared and you really, really want our uh, viewers and listeners to know? The most important thing to me is that healing is possible. It's not always, it might not be in this, in your body and in this life and in this thing. But the truth is your body is full of magic and wisdom and miracles happen every day, every day, all over the world. And you are entitled to yours. You just getting that centeredness and then asking spirit to be part of this movement with you and, and finding that space of balance and then go into the life you're meant to live. Beautiful. Everyone, Emily Francis, get this book, Healing Ourselves Whole, an interactive guide to release pain and trauma by utilizing the wisdom of your body. Thank you so much for taking the Thank time you. to be with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. Tell us a little bit about Malta before you leave. Okay. 
Last year, I wrote in the book, a letter to myself, it's in the book, that where you are today might not be where you are a year from now. And a year from writing that, I lived in Malta. We got an opportunity to move to Malta we had never visited. It's in the middle of the Mediterranean. It's a little south of Italy, but it's not part of Italy. We jumped on a plane with four animals, two children, and we trusted it and started a new life. And I have never been more in love with every day and every moment of living ever than I am here. I am the breakout star of my life here in Malta, but it's paradise and I call it heaven on earth. So if you want to come see me, you're going to have to come here because I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm coming over to see you. It's amazing. <laughs> Emily Francis, everyone, healing ourselves whole and interactive guide to release pain and trauma by utilizing the wisdom of the body. Where can they find this book, Emily? Amazon, of course, Target, Walmart, wherever books are sold, it should be there. So if it, if it isn't, order it online. And you can go to healingourselveswhole.com and you can order the audio as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for everyone who's out there, who's with us. Create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next time. You deserve it. Yes. Bye-bye.